0: For Radio Catskill, this is Rosie Starr. Welcome to Farm and Country, locally produced radio about rural life in the Catskills and the Delaware River Valley. On today's show, Keith Hubbard's Star Talk report highlights the Draconid meteor shower. I share my visit with volunteer Christine San Jose, you'll meet the lovely lady behind the classic voice that recites narration along the poet's row for Farm and Country. All of that coming up on today's Farm and Country, but first, news headlines from NPR.
1: Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Nora Rahm. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu appeared on television today with an announcement.
2: He's
1: saying, Citizens of Israel, we are at war. He spoke after the Palestinian militant group Hamas launched an unprecedented attack over Israel's southern border from Gaza in the early hours of the morning. Israeli National Rescue Services say at least 40 people have died. The Gaza Health Ministry says 198 Palestinians were killed in today's violence. Most of them were militants. Another 1,600 Palestinians were wounded. NPR's A Petrawi has more.
2: The region is on edge, but there are calls for calm and restraint. Egypt, which borders Gaza and has been a mediator in past wars, says its foreign ministers already working the phones to try to stop the escalation. Saudi Arabia, which is in serious negotiations with Washington to formalize ties with Israel, also called for restraint. But Saudi Arabia also said it's been warning of the dangers of a, quote, explosive situation and the consequences of continued Israeli occupation. Calls for restraint were echoed by the Turkish president. The Iran-backed Hezbollah group of Lebanon, however, congratulated the Palestinian factions involved and said it's a message to countries seeking to normalize ties with Israel that the Palestinian cause remains alive. Aya
1: Batraoui and PR News. The White House National Security Council issued a statement that the U.S. unequivocally condemns the attacks by Hamas against Israeli citizens. Similar statements were issued by the European Union and the British Foreign Ministry. A White House official says the president has been briefed on what he called the appalling Hamas terrorist attacks and will continue to receive updates. The Democratic National Committee is wrapping up three days of meetings in St. Louis about next year's elections. St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum has more on the story.
2: Polls have shown that Biden is neck and neck with former President Donald Trump in 2024. But during the DNC fall meeting in St. Louis, Vice President Kamala Harris said she believes voters appreciate the administration's job creation and environmental record.
3: What we are doing is popular with the American people.
2: DNC Chairman Jamie Harrison says party leaders are trying to help Democrats campaign operations now that connect with voters throughout 2024. One asset that we have that we can't get back, we can't raise more of, is time. In addition to defending the presidency next year, Democrats are also fighting to maintain a slim majority in the U.S. Senate. For NPR News, I'm Jason Rosenbaum in St. Louis.
1: The strike against the big three Detroit automakers has entered its fourth week. The union decided not to expand the strike yesterday after reporting progress in talks with General Motors. This is NPR News from Washington.
0: Welcome back to Farm and Country. This is your show host, Rosie Starr. Coming up on today's show, I share my visit with volunteer Christine San Jose, who readies herself for another of life's changes. As she prepares to leave Wayne County to live closer to her family, she took the time to chat with me over a cup of tea. But first, here is this week's Star Talk report. Thank you for joining us on Radio Catskill. For this week's locally produced Farm and Country
2: For Farm and Country, I'm Keith Hubbard and this is Star Talk. The Draconid meteor shower will be the first of two meteor showers in October. The meteor shower will reach its peak tomorrow and Monday. The Draconids radiate from Draco the Dragon, which slithers between the Big and Little Dippers high in the sky. The source of the Draconids is a comet known by the unassuming name of 21P Giacobini Zinner. The comet last flew by Earth in 2018 on its 6.6 year journey that takes it beyond the orbit of Jupiter. It is predicted to pass by Earth again in 2025. While most meteor showers are best viewed between midnight and dawn, the draconids will be best viewed in the evening hours before midnight. The meteor shower rarely offers more than five meteors an hour, and this year's shower will not be expected to yield an increased rate of meteors. But the dragon has been known to spit fireballs. The draconids blanketed the sky with thousands of meteors per hour in 1933 and 1946. More recently, In 2011, the Draconids produced an outburst, treating European stargazers with 600 meteors per hour. These outbursts coincided with the comet's approach to Earth, so we may be in for a treat in two years. The waning crescent moon will rise after midnight tomorrow and Monday, leaving the evening sky free of the moon. Head out after sunset for an hour or two tomorrow or Monday and look to the north to see the Draconid meteor shower. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future Star Talk segments, my email address is startalk at farmandcountry.org. For Farm and Country and Star Talk, this has been Keith Hubbard, reminding you to keep looking up.
0: Honesdale resident and Radio Catskill volunteer Christine San Jose has been part of the Farming Country team for more than a decade. Her lovely voice and trained narrative skills have graced our airwaves with poetry readings in the segment Along the Poet's Row. Christine now readies herself for another of life's changes and plans to leave Wayne County to live closer to her family. Earlier this year, we had a lovely visit together. I baked up some of my special sour cream walnut muffins, and Christine greeted me at her Victorian home. She put on the kettle for our favorite cuppa, Earl Grey tea, and we sat down to chat. We'll get to hear part of that lovely personality
3: behind Christine San Jose's royal accent. I'm Christine San Jose. I love this chance to say how much I've loved living here for the past 37 years. Well, I was always more or less in education and was doing... Very nicely, I loved the students I had. I had a lot of mature students at um, Ohio State University, and I taught at um, the University of Virginia and Syracuse University, but I was then at um, at Ohio State but Kent Brown of Highlights fame had actually been one of my students in Syracuse, and he lured me to highlights. And so as some people thought quite idiotically, I just threw over my whole professional career and came to highlights. And it was marvelous because they did want me to continue with my work with the schools. And I had always done a lot of work with schools. And then I worked not just with the magazine but also the head offices are in columbus and they are producing various Products and so on over there. So it was just a wonderful job. I enjoyed it enormously, and uh, so much loved working with the colleagues that I had at Highlights. And I loved living. I'd lived in smallish towns, but I had never lived in a town of only five thousand. And to have a house on Main Street in Honesdale was. Just as wonderful, I think, as one might always have imagined. I've just loved Honesdale. I've just loved Wayne County. And then the connection with JFF was I've just always loved poetry enormously. And I had, I think by that time, I'd had a program or two on poetry in. Honesdale, also groups where we got together and shared poetry. And then I'd listen to JFF and enjoyed the programming at JFF. And I thought, hmm, maybe JFF could have a tiny bit of poetry. And I'm not usually terribly good about going out and grabbing people for this, that and the other. But I knew... Sonia Headland and of course I'd heard Sonia on JFF and I said oh do you think anybody might be interested in poetry and so Sonia asked John Nordstrom who was starting the farm and country program and John apparently had said no but have her send me something just in case and so I can't remember what was on the original tape that I'd sent. I sent. I'm sure it was something about, obviously, farm and country, because there's obviously lots and lots of poems about farm and country. And John very graciously said, yes, and that was it. And then I used to love putting these programs together. It wasn't just for people who love poetry because those of us who love poetry would listen to anybody reciting poetry anywhere, it was for the people who didn't perhaps know how much they would love poetry if they heard some. And although there are lots of teachers teaching poetry very beautifully in schools, poetry doesn't always get, I think, perhaps the treatment, if you start drilling kids in, find three similes, find three metaphors, and um, Billy Collins has a wonderful line when he says he hears Miss So-and-so, the third grade teacher, saying, what do you think the poet is trying to say? (laughs) I will admit that I did try to put the little programs together in a way that people who perhaps didn't have much experience with poetry would be able to relate to. So it might be sometimes I would choose a topic and then have poets from different ages, different countries. And I always like a mix of the classic poets, because I could use only poetry in in the public domain. So if I wanted well-known poets, it had to be poets who had been dead for quite a long time. And then we are really a veritable nest of singing birds here, and so lots of wonderful stuff from local poets. And Highlights was good enough to say I could use the poetry that was sent into Highlights And I will tell you, a number of people would say to me, I have to tell you, their secret was, they really liked the children's poetry best. And I would have to say, I do love the children's poetry. So sometimes it would be that, that it it would be a collection of poems that was united by the subject matter. And sometimes it would be, oh, I don't know, some Mm -hmm. connection so that I could say just a word or two about the poems. But it was never how many similes, how many <laughs> how many metaphors, and what do you think the poet is trying to say.
0: Well, Christine, you seem to know so much about the structure of poetry. What is your academic background or professional background
3: that made you so knowledgeable on this subject? because I did always love poetry, and I think poetry way back in the old days and in the States and as, as in England, a lot of the poetry was you learnt it by heart. And when you learnt it and you knew it by heart and you made it your own... I believe in that. I think there are people who still find a great pleasure in remembering poetry, and that's a funny thing. There are many things that you read when you're younger, whether it's poetry or maybe a story or whatever, and you certainly get out of it, whatever you get out of it, when you're the age at which you read it. But there are several things, I think, or at least it's happened to me over and over again, that then the older you get, the more you understand and the more you see in things. Anyway, I just always loved poetry, and I always loved drama and that kind of thing. So my parents were wonderful. We had... In living quite close to us, Madame Rothery. And Madame Rothery, she was an elocution teacher. And I don't know whether there are such people as elocution teachers anymore. But I went to Madame Rothery and I studied verse speaking. If you have to speak the verse, then you really have to understand what's in the poem, and you really have to make it your own. And you find every poem is a world, and especially if you really try to get in touch with, directly with the poet. Like when actors, even very good actors, read poetry because sometimes you can't help feeling... They're putting on a performance, and I I don't think reading poetry is putting on a performance. I think it's you're just doing your very best to have the privilege of being the bridge between the poet and the listener, and it doesn't matter if you're putting on a fine performance or not. So I did love learning to as far as I could be this bridge between the poet and the listener and then this continued I had wonderful wonderful English teachers at school just always through elementary school and uh, and secondary school and then so what was I going to do when I went to university and actually my best subject was math and was one for having political opinions. So my teachers really wanted me to read. We talk about reading something when you study it at university in England. They really wanted me to read something that would prepare me for a political career. But I just loved literature so much. I, that was what I did. I did an honors degree in literature. And then kind of started out teaching, and then went back to... It was when my children were still all preschoolers, and I remember one of them came back and said, Mrs. Ziegler, who lived two doors down, was going back to university to get her doctorate, and we were in Syracuse at the time, and I thought, oh, I would love to do that. That would be wonderful. And, you know, sometimes when you think, oh, I would love to do that, sometimes you have to say, so why aren't I doing that? And the many, many times when I'm not doing that because I'm too young or too, I'm too old or I don't have the money or I have other responsibilities and so on, or like I always think, oh, I would love to know the names of the stars, so why don't I know the names of the stars? Well, apparently I wouldn't love to know them all that much, or I would have done it by now. But actually, when it happens, when it was to go back and do your doctorate and study some more, that seemed like a wonderful thing to do. So I did. I went back and studied.
0: When you narrated the poetry for Farm and Country on Radio Catskill, the name of the segment was Along the Poet's Row, and you... Did a magnificent job recording with
3: Vince Gallo, one oh, of our volunteers. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. yes. A shout out to Vince. Yes, absolutely. And it was not only that Vince is so technically capable, but the wonderful thing is that Vince really seemed to enjoy the poetry. And it's just marvelous when somebody there is smiling at the funny bits and looking serious at the serious bits. It's just you know, when you unite in in the poetry. And you know, it was Robert Frost who said no tears in the writer, no tears in the reader, or and so you could say no tears all the way through in the not only in the in the poet, but the person talking about it and not only tears the laughter the fun the everything else so the great thing is if you're really loving the poem and trying to get to the heart of a poem and you really want to share it with people and so vince was right there Sharing it. So that was, that was just a great experience. And then when people began to hear it, it was fantastic. I would go in a shop or something and somebody would say, Oh, it's the poetry lady. And, and what was marvelous when people would say, Oh, my husband said he never enjoyed poetry until he heard it on the poet's row. And I really did feel it was all of us. In Wayne County, walking down, I kind of saw us walking down at the side of a field along along the hedgerow yes it was it was just it was just a great experience and and that I do feel so so positive, so grateful for all these years in Honesdale and in Wayne County, living in a rural county when you feel so much closer to the weather because you know whether it's good or bad for the, for the sugar maples and um, especially when we have a program like Farm Country <laughs> yes and then the exciting things that are going on with the organic farming here and uh, there's a, a great deal to, to love about this place
0: Well, I love it that you took note of Vince Gallo and his uh, volunteer work, and we're what I'm doing now today is taking note of your volunteer work with WJFF and how grateful we are that you gave your time, but. Tell us how you feel about volunteer work, because I know you do other things for other people and organizations. Give us some of your inspiration about volunteer work or why it's so hard, or if you have a piece of
3: poetry that comes to mind about volunteers. Volunteering is, it's such fun, and I always feel like such a cheat, because the things I do like or have done more of in the past, you know, like the storytelling and so on, it's so... Obvious, and I enjoy it so much that it's it's ridiculous to be thanked for it because I enjoy it so much. And I think of the people who volunteer, and and you don't see what they're doing. I was just thinking when JFK said, "Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country," and. That's real community, and that's how a community lives or dies. And community is not wearing the same hat or chanting the same slogans. Community is offering what you have got to offer to the community. It's such a joy to be recognize for something that you can do to be able to share is just so exciting so here I am now I never thought I would leave this house except feet first I really thought but I'm now getting to the stage when I realize my lovely old house is really a bit more than I can cope with and my family has somehow all slipped below the Mason Dixon and so on and um my goodness, my daughter-in-law said they haven't got a poetry guy. I'm, I'm just going, you know, to an old fogey's home, to an independent living, they call it. But you know, it's kind of just two small rooms in you know, a whatever. And my daughter-in-law, you know, says they, say, um, I don't think they've got a poetry group or anything. And I say. I can't believe that if you put up something on the notice board that says anybody like to get together from time to time to share a favourite poem, and then perhaps when you're talking, anybody got any poetry of their own? They might. I can't believe that there won't be some people there. And then who knows if they have a PA system? Maybe we shall. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. But I would be surprised if it isn't possible to to start some poetry down there.
0: Thank you so much for taking the time in your busy present moment life to speak with Farm and Country and Radio Catskill. I loved it. Thank you very much.
3: Along the Poet's Row this morning, nothing less than miracles, Elizabeth, in a poem shared with us by Highlights for Children, says, In the morning I go out to find a little miracle, to find a little wonder of nature. And so I walk, feeling things, seeing with my hands, and sometimes I close my eyes and watch with my ears, and I hear a crack. I open my eyes, and I see a little nest, and inside is a bird with a peeping voice, and I whisper, hello, little miracle. And then Welsh poet William Henry Davis says, raptures, sing for the sun, your lyric lark, of twice ten thousand notes, sing for the moon, you nightingales, whose light shall kiss your throats sing sparrows for the soft warm rain to wet your feathers through and when a rainbow's in the sky sing you cuckoo cuckoo sing for your five blue eggs fond thrush by many a leaf concealed you starlings wrens and blackbirds sing in every wood and field while i who fail to give my love long raptures twice as fine will, for her beauty, breathe this one a sigh that's more divine. And now a miracle from our own Marsha Niemeyer, who has found how to make the summer last forever. Marsha says, remember this, the cherry tree, freed of white blossoms now, "'blooms rubies in the leaves. "'Robins burrow in the tree's green heart. "'Under their song, I study the trunk's lines and furrows, "'resting in the open arms of the world. "'Sure this day will never end, "'heedless of the small, fleeting voice "'from a life not my own, "'cold, dark, snow.'" Not even time can rest me from the heat, the sun, these grass-filled days that stretch away. Here's wishing you some wonderful grass-filled days this weekend. This has been Christine San Jose for The Poet's Row, Farm and Country.
0: We hope that you enjoyed our show this week with production by Radio Catskill volunteer Keith Hubbard. Special thanks goes to our guest, WJFF volunteer Christine San Jose, for her laughter and poetry narrations. This has been your host, Rosie Starr. Thanks for listening local to Farm and Country and supporting Radio Catskill, public radio for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. For absentee voters in New York State, absentee ballot
2: application requests must be received by a Board of Elections by October 23rd if you are sending it by mail, fax, or the online portal. Voters can apply in person for absentee ballots through November 6th. And November 7th, Election Day, is the last day to postmark an absentee ballot and the last day to return your absentee ballot in person to the Board of Elections or at any poll site. This is Radio Catskill.
0: Apple Pie Palooza is tonight. We're selling pie.